My name is Blake Huffine, and I'm the pastor here at the Movement Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this message inspires you. hope it grows you closer to Jesus Christ. So let's jump right in and receive the message. Most Christians today are just hopeful that they are saved. Most Christians today are just hopeful that they will hear well done on the last day by our Lord. But I, I want to help you understand through this message whether you are truly saved. I want to help you know that you have salvation and overcome this spirit of doubt that may have come onto your life. So to start out, I want to discuss what it means to be saved. I want to talk about what it means to have salvation with the Lord. In the beginning, humans sinned against God, right? We're all familiar with the story of Adam and Eve, the rebellion against God. But ever since that moment of rebellion, this... Sin has remained in humanity ever since. We've sinned ever since. But to sum it up, we broke God's law, and then throughout the Old Testament, God has preserved a people, a people that would bring a perfect king, a perfect sacrifice, one who is without sin and would be the true Savior of mankind. And you probably just now guessed it. Yes, that was Jesus. Jesus, he, he, it was God that came in the flesh and He demonstrated the perfect life. He took the punishment for our sin. He died on a cross and then rose again three days later and ascended to heaven. So when, when we say that someone is saved, it means that the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross has covered their sin. That's what it means to be saved. So now we're going to figure out how do we get that? How do we get that covering? How do, we, how do we get that salvation? How do we get saved? The most common verse that people reflect on is John 3.16, right? Which is true. It explains salvation. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, so that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. And that is so true. But it's not just this sole verse that explains what it means to be saved to be in relationship with the Lord. There's a little bit more to it than just uh, believing. Because, see, I can believe in many things. I can believe that a car is a great method of transportation. But if I never get into one, if I never step into a vehicle, it's never actually going to take me anywhere. So, again, how do I know I'm saved? With, With there being many things to believe in, how do I know that the Lord has covered my sin. Well, I want to go to Ephesians 2 and read you the first 10 verses. It says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with Him, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come He might show the surpassing riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of work, so that, you, so that no one may boast. 
For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So first I want to address that. It says, for, great, for by grace, for by God's grace, you have been saved through faith. Okay, so that means we have to place our faith in Christ. But when we back up and read the first part, it shows what it looks like when someone has salvation in the Lord. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked in according to the course of this world. So that shows that when we are in Christ, we are not the same as we used to be. We were dead in our sins. We formerly walked in the way of the world, but no longer do when we are in Christ. Those who are saved and in Christ have had a complete shift in their lifestyle. They're removing the sin from their life. They're not doing the things that the world always did, that they always did with the world. It says that the prince of the power of the air, the the evil one, the sons of disobedience, it it describes the lusts of our flesh, the desires of the flesh and of the mind. It describes this former life that we are to have departed from whenever we are saved. So I want to say this one thing, and I suggest you jot this down, that in your walk with the Lord, repentance is required. You're leaving this former life, so repentance is required. And and this is not just an apology, but it is a reset, okay? It's not just saying, I'm sorry, Lord, but it's saying, I recognize that my wrongdoings were so bad that you had to die for me that I'm going to leave that life behind now because I'm understanding and I'm believing and my faith is in you that what you're providing me with is so much greater and so much more uh, for me than what I've tried to bring myself. So you're, you're making the decision to leave the old life. And you might say, well, Blake, we all sin. Yes, true. And we should all repent of our former lives. We should be constantly getting more righteous. We should be living more holy when we are in Christ. That is, that is a true sign of one who is in Christ is a completely new lifestyle. You might say, well, God's grace covers me. It's fine. I want to read you with, uh, I want to read you Hebrews 10, 26. It says, for if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. What? For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. You might say, well, like, well, what's the truth? Well, who is the truth? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. So if we are receiving the knowledge of the truth after If we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of Jesus, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. And I don't know if I need to add anything else to that. You you can't top out in your walk with the Lord, but being human is not an excuse for the sin that you allow to remain in your life. And I'll be honest with you, if, if you were as concerned about your salvation as you are about justifying the sin that you've allowed to remain in your life, you probably wouldn't even be doubting whether you were saved or not. Because the Bible calls for us to repent and for us to depart from the way we used to live. If you see somebody that's, that's uh, said that they're a believer and said they're a Christ follower, but they're still going on and doing the things they used to do before they got born again, I, I'm going to tell you right now that they've got it figured out 
they've not got it figured out. They've, 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 they've got a false understanding of the gospel and what it calls for for us. It, it, grace, God's grace doesn't excuse our sin. Okay, it, it, it forgives us of our wrongdoings before, but it gives us that chance. It gives us that reimbursement, that revival to do it right as the way it was supposed to be in the first place. Acts 2.38, it says, Repent, and each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But the first thing Peter says here is, Repent. Repent. Turn away from your, your former life. And numerous times Jesus would tell someone, you know, go and sin no more after He performed a miracle on them. When God changes you, when God changes you, when God steps in and gives you that new life, you're supposed to take it up and go with it. Take up your cross and follow Him. You're supposed to crucify your former life. You're supposed to crucify your flesh and walk with Christ. So finally, how do you know if you are saved? Right? This is what we've been talking about. How do we know for ourselves? I want to give you three points. You've repented and departed from all sins. You're removing them from your life. You've understood your wrongdoings and you're removing them from your life. You have repented of your sins. Your life is no longer a mirror of the ways of this world, of the way you, you used to live. And finally, you have placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have believed in Him. You've confessed with your mouth that He is the only way to heaven, the only way for salvation. That's the three points. You've repented of all your sins. Your life no longer reflects your, your former ways or the world. And you've placed your full faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You believe that He is the only Savior. You believe that He's the only way to heaven. He's the only way to the Father. And you've confessed that with your mouth. There's a popular song that I'm sure many of you actually have sang along with. It's one of my favorites. It's called Christ is Enough. And I want to read a few lyrics from the song. In one part it says, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. Christ is enough for me. Everything I need is in you. To me, that's powerful. But I know a lot of us have actually sang along to that song, so I want to ask you, if you've sang that, can you say you truly mean it? That Christ is enough? The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back? That shows the new life that you're supposed to take up with the Lord. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, it makes it so much. He's a comforter. He's a helper. It makes it joyful to live holy and to walk in righteousness. It says no turning back. We see that in the story where Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed, it says that Lot's wife turned back. She turned back and looked at the city and it was a command that God said not to look back. And God struck her into a, a pillar of salt. We are called not to turn back. Take the salvation. Take this, this fresh start that the Lord is giving us and run with it. I mean, run with it. Wrap God's grace around you like a blanket and say, because of this grace, 
because of this mercy, I'm going to do all I can to reflect holiness, to reflect what He really wants from me. So I want to ask you today, are you willing to leave all that behind? Have you acknowledged that there's only one way to have an abundant life? Many of us needed this assurance of how to know that we have salvation in the Lord. And I hope it's helped you grow. So I want to close with a prayer. Father, I thank You for Your Word that You, that you have provided us with that's helped us grow and edify ourselves to know You more and to make ourselves a better representation of what a Christian is supposed to be. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that You would strengthen us, Lord, to walk in righteousness. Lord, I thank You for Your grace and Your mercy. And Lord, I ask for a strengthening of all of our faith in You and in the Word. So be with the viewers, Lord. And I ask that in the name of Jesus, You would strengthen us. Amen.